It's a pre-party. We haven't done the show yet, but we are ready. We're so excited, frankly, that we just thought we'd get some stuff off our chest. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. This is the exclusive content you can only get by hanging out with us on the podcast. It's part of the reason you need to subscribe and hang out with us. So, Sarah, I got a question for you because the NFL season is starting this weekend. And as you know, I'm irrationally excited at this point for the possibility of watching football, even though there won't be fans in uh, most stadiums. So, what I, I, I'm curious about, and I'm, I'm frankly just transparently stealing this from somebody that asked me this question over the course of the week. Since some stadiums are going to be uh, pumping in noise, right, just to whatever they want noise-wise, uh, up to, I think, like 80 decibels or 78 decibels. So they can pump in some noise. Well, what if instead of noise, they pumped in a song, a song that was on repeat that just went over and over and over again? Is there a song that you would want to put your Bears to put on repeat just to psych out their opponent by the end of the game? Okay, so let me start out by just deflating the premise, and then I'll play along. Number one, I'm pretty sure the NFL is only allowing crowd noise, not just random songs, right? So they want it to be more like a real game and cover up the swearing and the yelling and the whatevers more so than they just want noise. So let's get that out of the way. But, you know, again, suspending disbelief. Then the premise is, is, is that somehow the home team, because they know what song is going to be played, won't be as annoyed by it as the opposing team, which to me is a very flimsy premise because no matter how many times you play a song that I find annoying to get me used to it, I'm still not drowning it out. I'm still going to be really annoyed. But now that I've gotten that all off my chest, I will play along with your little game fits. And I will tell you that the song needs to be one that you take home with you afterwards so that it's annoying not only during the game, but then it continues on for the rest of the night, the rest of the week, until you uh, want to, you know, bash your skull in. And up there is going to have to be that 500 Miles song by the Proclaimers, which is not that bad of a song, but just that thing oh. over and over and over again. I also would like to recommend, if you remember the band Eiffel 65, and that song, I'm blue, da boo dee da dum dum da boo dee dum Okay, no, that would be terrible. Also, I'm a Barbie girl, which was never good, also in the running. But I think, and I'm probably missing some other terrible earworms that I hate. Oh, any song by that band that everybody likes that I hate that's like, I'm sailing. What, what band is that? It's like a whole, it's like a whole movie about how much the guys love. Not I'm sailing away, not come sail away, not the sticks one. No, no, that, no, no, no. no. Uh, no, 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 no. But uh, no, I know what you're talking about because Cartman used to do it all the time. Right? It's Christopher like, Cross, uh, according to Chris Mitchell. Uh, that's that's a. It's Christopher Cross. No. Well, what's the band that they also talk about how much they like in that movie? Wait, with, come um, sail away, come sail away, come. S- no, that sticks. <laughs> what is the okay, movie okay, so with the guy is- from Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Paul Rudd? <laughs> Does anyone know? You are asking do, the do, wrong do, person do, on that one. Do, do, do. Um, I, it's, I love I you, man. Know. Okay, I love you, man. They're obsessed with the band, and everybody likes them, and I hate the band. And they think they sing a sailing song. Rush, Rush. Doesn't Rush also have a, oh, a song yeah, about no, I'm sailing? Not Rush either. Anyway, we've really gone deep into a hole. I'm not big on any. Oh, that Tom yeah. Sawyer song. Ugh. Brutal. You know what I'm talking about? I'm out on that. 
Today's Tom Sawyer can yeah, cut me and, dry. Deeny, 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 deeny. Okay, so all of those are in the mix. I realize that it was yeah, a very no, circular logic to get me there, but I think none would be worse than that song by Rebecca Black, Friday, and that is my final answer. Okay. Uh, a couple of things here. Number one, you are right. The NFL is only going to allow crowd noise. So this yes. is just a pipe dream. But number two, okay. I will say to your second point, though, having played some songs night after night after night after night that I didn't like, eventually you do just sort of zone them out. So I'm a believer hmm. that at some point, if you hear it every single day of practice, eventually you just don't. It's like screaming baby syndrome. Like, I don't have kids. So when I hear a screaming baby, I look over and I'm like, hey, you shut that baby up. You know, like that, that's a movie quote. No, oh, it's like when someone's uh, house but smells, but they don't know it. Because they're used yeah. to it. And then you they go over, you're like, it, right? how do you See, live here? The, and then you find out they have 17 cats and it all makes sense. Like, so I, I do believe that there's a home field advantage, but you missed the, the obvious, like, I mean, Baby Shark or Who Let the Dogs Out. Like the first time you hear Who Let the Dogs Out, everybody's going to be bopping along. When you're three and a half hours into Who Let the Dogs Out, I believe that the other team at that point is just going to be mentally completely psyched out. I find those songs charming, though. I find them charming enough the first time that they would get annoying eventually. But if a song is complete and utter trash from Listen 1, then imagine how bad it is by Listen 100. That is, okay, there is a fair point. And by the way, every musician in history is going to now suddenly come at me for saying I don't like Rush because they're so talented (laughs) as musicians. You can be talented musicians and still make bad music, people. Like, I don't understand why that's lost. Like, they can be really talented, but just not good with the whole, like, making songs that I like. I'm just saying. Uh, Okay, so you're you're not in on any of mine. Because I would have gone, like, I'm with you with the I would walk 500 miles. uh, But I, (laughs) I still think, like, Who Let the Dogs Out felt good. Um, this is the song that never ends, just over and over. Oh, yeah. On and mm-hmm. on, my friend. Oh, I mean, just just that over and over and over again, I'm, I'm all in on. But I think Baby Shark by like, I don't know, the end of hour number two gets to that spot where you might kill somebody. I, I, sure. I feel like there's at least some home field, like even if they won't let them do it in the stands, I think certain teams should try it from the sidelines and see if they can get away with it. Now, that being said, Sarah, we, we have our fantasy draft tomorrow night. Uh, may, may God help all of us. I'm in more fantasy leagues this year than I've been in in oh, years. No. <laughs> and I don't, every single time I've drafted, in the moment, I'm like, oh, things are going well. And then I look at the draft afterwards, I'm like, this team is total shit. So I, I can't figure out what to do at this point. I'm, I'm scared because I know I'll be held accountable on this show for how bad my team comes out. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of trash talking in the pre-party and the after-party. And we also have some just built-in people who are 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 want to, to engage. One, of course, is... is uh, team punt, pass, and kick. That's Jeff and Jack Passen. Uh, Jack, a nice kid, uh, likes to talk trash from afar, uh, but his dad is the real problem, of course, on this one. We've got uh, Golik and Shanae, uh, a.k.a. Childish Hambino, and I think Shanaeberhood, although I don't know for sure if she settled <laughs> on that. Uh, that Those two, of course, were going to be uh, exchanging trash talk with across the shows. We got the married couple, Jordan and Shay. I'd like to use fantasy to try to drive a wedge between them as a couple. I think their inability to decide together, make decisions about their roster, could weaken that team, so we need to get them to fight with each other. Uh, Stash is too nice. We can't talk trash to him. Um, oh, but I do on. think, Stash, you're whoa, way whoa, too whoa, nice. Whoa, 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 Stash is a Chiefs fan. Screw that. I'm all in on trash. Hey, I'm hey, going to talk Stash every time I can. Okay, well, good oh, luck trying I'm to get him to say something mean back to you. He is way too nice. Uh, 
Chris Mitchell will try, but again, too nice of a person deep down. Mike A will absolutely tear your soul out. Uh, I think there's there's real concern that that trash talk will take things too far, mainly because he's just been burned too many times because the teams he root for all suck. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, and then we got a couple of listeners in there, real wild cards. I feel, now that you've gone down the list, I feel worse and worse about my shot at actually representing <laughs> myself well at this point. Like, I'm just looking at it thinking, usually you go into these saying, as long as I can beat this person, I'm going to feel good about it. But let's, let's be real. Like, even if I beat Stosh, he's a Chiefs fan, and that means that he's going to have a Super Bowl to lord over my head for the next, I don't know, 10 years. So th- there's <laughs> nothing there. Mitchell's too nice. Mike A, you could, you could beat Mike A, and he'd still somehow trash talk you into feeling like you were the problem. So Yeah, that's how I, I operate, like, I don't too. I know who I'm going to beat. I, I talk trash I, even I, I from a losing stance. <laughs> And the cornets are too nice. Like, like I just they are. I, I nice. love Jordan and Shay. They're too just too nice. I, I don't know. And, and Mike and Shanae are just. I, I don't stand a chance. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come in last in this league. I you will I'm probably come in last and also be the worst at trash talking because you're too nice. Uh, yeah. You know what my favorite part of this? We're about to start the show, so you know what my favorite part of this pre-party has been. What? The fact that you've been on like a 10-second delay the whole time. You know what? It's part of the charm of the show. Like we, I realized the delay That's and I a felt long like I should pause. stop it. But then Every I was time. like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make it as awkward for everybody else as they well, make it has it been. for... It has yeah, been. There we go. Congratulations. You're welcome. <laughs> you can only get this awkwardness here. Be sure to rate and subscribe. The more people that rate the podcast, the more likely maybe... The more professional it gets. Delay. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it in, in future episodes if you show up and complain about it. <laughs> All right. Listen to Spain and Fitz now. I promise it's going to be better than this delay, Ben. What's up, everybody? Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, back at our regular time. A little early call yesterday, hanging out in the Levitard show and greenie slots, but we're back like we are most weeknights, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Just 90 minutes tonight. We're taking you into Game 3, Lakers versus Rockets, an 8.30 Eastern tip. We're going to get into that series, but also the one that's going on right now, the Bucks and the Heat, and for that, Fitz, let's do some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Doesn't get much more of a straight talk situation than for the Bucks tonight. Down 3-1 in the series on the brink of elimination. Led the league pretty much all year long. Giannis is out. And let's start there. Do we think that is entirely health-related? They did their best to bring him to speed. They, they hoped and, and worked on that ankle, and they realized he just couldn't go. Or is any part of you wondering if they're protecting the inevitable, knowing that no team has come back from down 3-0, and they don't want to risk damaging him for whatever to come in the future? Well, I think this has got to be about what they think gives them the best shot to win right now because they do know their back's up against the ro- wall, and I think there's so much at stake for Milwaukee. It's hard for me to imagine that that he's not playing for any reason other than he's simply 100% incapable, Sarah. So to me, as much as the conspiracy theories around sort of where they are and what they're trying to protect make some sense because this season is backed up to next season so much, I just don't, I don't see where that makes sense because the organization knows they have so much on the line and frankly getting their butts whooped in this series could lead to a coaching change. It could lead to roster changes. So I think they're going to fight as hard as they can fight. And to that end, that's part of why I think they've come out so explosive even in the game early on tonight. Yeah, I think the majority of me goes, I believe what they're telling us, and it's as simple as not healthy enough. Not healthy enough. They'd have him out there if he was. There is a tiny part of me that looks to the future and says, you know, are the Bucks better off making sure he's healthy in case they decide he's going to leave for nothing 
and they'd rather trade him for a big haul before that happens. Or are concerned about what it would mean to put him out there in a situation where an imbalance in his kinetic chain or a weakness in one leg might result in a long-term injury in another. It's not the same as a Kevin Durant situation, but I'm sure that hangs over the heads of anyone with a superstar. Uh, curious about if you put them out there and they're not all together there, what long-term effect that could have on their bodies and their availability. Let's get to that a little bit later with Jen Latta, who's uh, uh, hosting uh, out in Milwaukee in addition to all of her other national duties for ESPN and has her finger on the pulse of what they're thinking. Let's stick with this game for now because they have not been eliminated. There's a lot of conversation right now, Fitz, about what comes next. Right now what we're seeing, an 18-9 to start for the Bucs. They come out hot. This gets us to a different kind of crazy conspiracy theory type conversation, which is why do they look better without their superstar? And that's a great question because there's no way they're better without the two-time MVP. Like, I just want to squish that right away. But nothing changes the fact that they've come out in this game. And we always talk about how pace matters so much to Milwaukee and how they try and push the ball. And Miami's been able to really stop them from doing that. For some reason, I, I mean, I'm stunned early on in this game that Milwaukee has been controlling the tempo, that Miami seems to be content to sit back and let Milwaukee run their offense. And that makes no sense to me. We, I mean, Barkley's ripped on the Bucks' half-court offense so much, and I would only think that would, it would be even worse, obviously, without Giannis. But, man, they are running up and down the court. They are being aggressive. They're getting shots off quickly, and that's why they're up early on in this. So I don't think they're better without Giannis, but there's certainly a different level of intensity and aggression from them as an offense right now. And I don't know uh, sort of how they managed to combine that with Giannis, but it, it's a shame that they don't do this when he's in the game. Well, and certainly they did at times. We saw their success sure. during the regular season, but the ball movement is better and has been with Giannis off the floor. And Chris Middleton takes over and assumes the role of a shot creator and a star. And why he doesn't do that with Giannis on the floor, because you got plenty of room for more than one superstar in the NBA. And in fact, now in order to win, you need that. So the fact that for whatever reason, when Giannis has been out there, other guys have taken a backseat and the ball movement has suffered is clearly the answer to, to, to this team having big success. Because Fitz, we have enough of a sample size between last year and this year now, particularly if they end up getting bounced tonight or even later in the series against this Heat team to say that whatever the construction is right now, it's not enough in postseason series. Is that a coaching issue for you? Because that's worth discussing as well. If you're a team that is talented enough to beat teams in one-offs, but when you get into a series and strategy matters all the more, adjustments matter all the more, you can't hang, how much of that is on a coach? No, I think Budenholzer is going to be the first thing to go in this because it's easier to try a new coach than it is an entire new lineup, as we all know. And so, you know, I'm looking at Middleton as somebody. Remember when we started the season and we talked about how it was going to be the year of the dynamic duo in the NBA. Part of the reason that we were comfortable talking about the Bucks is because Giannis is so great that all Middleton had to do was be very, very, very good and they can be an elite team. Now, that happened for a lot of the regular season. But you're right. Um, Middleton has not had to be as aggressive. And when he is aggressive... It's a complete difference to this team. I mean, I'm looking, as much as we look at Giannis all the time and say, why is he not getting more? I, I do have to look a little at Middleton here and say, where is this when Giannis is in the game? I, I realize they have to spread the ball around more. I realize that they want to play to Giannis' strengths. But Middleton running this offense with this pace is fun to watch, and this team looks so comfortable and that's what really surprises me so if they could magically get this version of Middleton when they have Giannis on the floor they become sort of the team that you alluded to the team that was clearly the best in the east during the regular season I don't know why we don't get it in the playoffs 
And by the way, tons of credit, of course, to Spolstra and the Heat for taking away the things that the Bucks like to do well. The record against them is no longer too small of a sample size when you count regular season and postseason. They've just had this team's number. you got to give a ton of credit to Spolstra to figure out what you can do against Giannis and then against this larger Bucks team uh, to have success. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Make sure you subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, ESPN app, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, lots of pre- and post-show, after-parties, pre-parties, digital content you can't get anywhere else. Had a little pre-party tonight. Uh, I took some shots at some bands that are very popular as I meandered my <laughs> way around to answering Fitz's question. You can get all that on the podcast after the show. Speaking of, uh, 8.30 Eastern is when we're done tonight because of that Lakers-Rockets game. Let's get into that for a second here. This has been a fascinating one because um, you saw the Lakers lose game one to the, to the, um, to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And you said to yourself, this is the matchup we've all been waiting for. The Lakers are having going to have trouble with this with this team. And, and you know, this they're going to be on the brink. And instead, they righted the ship almost immediately. And that was the end of that series. They go out and lose game one to the Rockets. And you say, okay, what's this matchup? Is this the Rockets team that we know can beat anyone when they're on their game, but is a little bit inconsistent? You see the Lakers adjust in game two, particularly in a fourth quarter where it felt like LeBron just pressed the easy button and went back to doing what he does well. What do you expect out of tonight? I expect the Lakers to, to win this. And look, I, you make a great point, Sarah, in the first round and the second round. And I feel like we're in this culture right now where we want to constantly find a fault with the Lakers. The fact is, I still believe the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. I still believe the Lakers are going to win it all. And I believe that the Lakers, while they may take a little time in a series to sort of get their feet and figure out how to adjust, you just mentioned Spolster and the great job he's doing. Vogel's doing a great job for somebody that we had no idea who he was going to be to coach, finding a way in these playoff series to at least get the ADs and LeBrons on track the right way. So, I mean, the Lakers are still, in, in my mind, the best team in the West, and in every, every round we're going to find some reason why it's compelling basketball, but honestly, they're still going to advance. Yeah, there's just they've done a lot of the right stuff against the Rockets. We particularly saw it, of course, in Game 2. Now it's a matter of uh, when the Rockets know what's coming, when they know there's that doubling up, the trapping of Harden, when they're willing to let Westbrook take those outside shots that he's been so terrible on, uh, how will they adjust? And that's what's going to be fun to watch. We'll get into more of the details of that, and particularly how pace is going to be a huge part of who wins that game coming up. This was Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Up next here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, some interesting comments from a college football coach and a prologue on a really fascinating story from this weekend. We'll get to those next on ESPN Radio. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? The reason this trash song is playing will be Woo! revealed to you only Woo! if you listen Woo! to the pre-party. Got to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast to find out how I'm being trolled by my own Colleagues and friends, they usually do this with Baby Shark or Billy Squire, The Stroke. But today, we really dived deep into my psyche to find the thing that was most bothering me today. So thanks, guys. It's Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I've just realized something. As many people may realize, we're in a work-at-home world, so I'm sitting, you know, in my little home area. I got my... Uh, my mic up and I'm, I'm going and I got the blinds open because I like the sunlight being in up in Connecticut, you know, and I'm dancing around to the song and I realize that there's people walking their dog that are now looking at me very funny from outside of the street. So uh, you're welcome for those sweet, sweet dance moves, Connecticut. Fitz, you gotta dance like nobody's watching, even if they are. I always do. 
<laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. We talked yesterday about Novak Djokovic getting bounced from the U.S. Open. The clear favorite had not lost a match all year, but had gotten himself into some hot water over the course of the quote-unquote offseason while tennis was on hiatus due to the COVID uh, pandemic. And we talked about how that whole disqualified thing, were it someone that we really enjoyed watching and was a super fan favorite, we'd probably be a little bit less likely to accept, well, it's in the rules. You know, you, you can't fire off a ball and hit a lines judge. But because it was Djokovic, a lot of people had that sort of schadenfreude response of like, well, maybe it's a little karma for what's been going on. Well, Pablo Torre and ESPN Daily Podcast found this gem from a couple years ago, and it's just a nice little prologue, a little cherry on top of the Sunday of what we talked about yesterday. When you threw the racket, does it concern you that one day that, that could cost you dearly? I mean, if the ball were to hit someone today, is that something you think you ought to address? You guys are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it unbelievable? Yeah, because you're always picking this kind of things. It's, it's well, incredible. You're doing these things. You know, that's, it could have been serious. It could have been, sure. Or it could have snowed. It could have been snow in O2 Arena today, but it didn't. That was from a couple years ago. He had had two incidents where he'd either thrown a racket or hit a ball into the crowd. Neither had ended up injuring or hitting anyone. He had managed to escape unscathed, but he was asked, what if it did? And he made a joke out of it and blamed the media and as Pablo Torre said, Bit, I think Djokovic will be looking forward to taking a break, maybe looking forward to winter, looking forward to some snow. I mean, at this point, he should be looking forward to some sort of a tutorial on how to not act like a petulant child when you're frustrated <laughs> in the middle of a match. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it, it just speaks oh. to the years of, of sort of the wall that has been built up around him because of the things that he's done. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was that perfect moment of uh, well, now 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 it's even easier to not feel bad for what a what a brutal way that is to to lose in the record book your first match and to go out, but uh, should have seen it coming. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, Lincoln Riley also making some news today was something he had to say. This was about whether or not they'll be revealing their COVID tests going forward as the season about to get underway in college football. We're to the point now where we're playing games, um, and, and obviously any active case or contact trace is 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 going to have game repercussions. And so, you know, just like you know we would with an injury, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're just we made the decision to not broadcast that. I know we'd been probably the most transparent school in the country up until then, but you don't want to give your compete or your team a competitive disadvantage, so we're not going to do that. Sooners open the season Saturday against Missouri State. Fitz, you understand why they wouldn't go out with a player and say he's been out for an ankle injury two weeks, he's back, because you worry about the potential to go after that injured body part, right? I don't really know what the competitive advantage is to knowing a team's coronavirus numbers. They've already said and agreed amongst the ACC coaches that they'll let each other know on game day who's available to play without specifying the reason players are out. So you don't have to say this guy has COVID, this guy has an ankle, this guy has COVID. But the fact that they're unwilling to disclose the numbers to me is really problematic considering how transparency will be important. And for players to presume that their coaches, trainers, et cetera, teammates have their best looking out for them. Because I would be really worried that somebody might have it and they really want them to go on Saturday. And that's a, an easy way to cover it up is just to never make any announcements. 
I'm going to ask college football fans to do what they hate to do right now and put the shoes on the other foot game. That's my favorite game to play because I've seen Oklahoma fans getting all up in Mike Golick Jr.'s mentions when he was talking about this earlier today, saying that essentially Lincoln Riley's deserved the, the benefit of the doubt. But we can't presume that with any program because then you have to presume that with every program. And we've already seen the Pac-12 come out as a conference initially, players, when they came out and made their demands before the season was postponed, one of their demands in, to even play this fall was that at some level there be a third party brought in to help with the COVID-19 issue because they didn't, as a group, trust the coaches to do the right thing by players. That We have to accept that that's a part of the culture. I mean, there's a reason that you have to take the helmet away from a kid with a concussion on the sideline because at some point the kid may not protect himself and the coach may not protect him. So they had to bring in third party. This is no different. And when you're talking about COVID numbers, it's important that they be as transparent as possible because it also affects your opponent. It affects the overall numbers. If the conference at some point can <laughs> decides they can no longer play, then they need to have the numbers in front of everybody so that we know what's going on and why. For Oklahoma to presume that they can sort of hide all of this behind any wall allows them the opportunity to skew these numbers one way or the, the other, possibly. And that's the sort of level that uh, college football can't afford. They, they must demand, in my mind, transparency from every single school that plays because no school at this point can give their data without giving some sort of transparency on where they got it, who it affects, and what it means moving forward for everybody. I agree. I, I just think that throughout this, from the beginning, from day one of, of us all trying to adjust to this new normal in these unprecedented times, we've preached transparency. How do we know why you're canceling the season? How do we know why you're not canceling the season? How do you know why, you know, whether you're gonna be taking care of us? We've heard multiple different players across the country at different levels say that they're questioning whether or not coaches, trainers, teammates are taking it seriously, are being honest about why they're not around or when they return. You know, I think the players who test positive likely to be quarantined and monitored and not playing, but that's the whole point. We don't know that. And if you've got a big game against a big rival and an important player isn't feeling well, do you push them forward knowing that you don't have to release those results? Um, and, and again, you might be doing that regardless, right? If you're going to lie about somebody's availability, you're going to do that whether or not you have to report the numbers. But the idea that at some point, and, it, and the last time they announced their numbers, I think it was 17 positives. The last time they, they released uh, the Sooners numbers from August 17th to the 21st. There were 17 active cases, including six new positives. At some point during the season, if you still have double-digit numbers like that, not only are you making it, it, it you know, concerned about whether you're being transparent, but Fitch, you're also then trying to dodge questions of whether you're providing a safe environment and putting players at risk. I mean, imagine if somebody plays Oklahoma and then there's a COVID-19 outbreak and we find out weeks later, oh, sorry, uh, we, we weren't telling you, but Oklahoma had 40 cases last week, God forbid. You know, Oklahoma's had soaring numbers. I mean, there is a level of, especially even with all the testing going on, we have to know the numbers because it tells us if there's a problem that affects not just Oklahoma, but the rest of the conference and the rest of college football. The outrage will be real if Oklahoma plays somebody and then there's an outbreak and we find out that they weren't being transparent about their numbers. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, worth noting that Dabo Swinney said similar things. So it's like if they all come together and agree this is how we're going to operate, it might be like, well, then it's, you know, same disadvantage or advantage for everyone. That's not the point. The point is that we know that in professional sports or any sport where there's a serious amount of money going down, like in college football, Bending the rules, 
maybe not doing quite what you're supposed to and what's right, which we've seen result in death of players in the past because of overactive trainers or programs where they didn't let kids take the breaks they needed or anything else. That's what you're keeping an eye on here. And even if they all agree to it, that doesn't mean it's right. Coming up, we'll get an NFC preview for the upcoming football season with a former NFL coach. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Hello? I don't know if we're on. What's Sarah? happening? Sarah, what if we're on the air right me? now can... and something bad just happened and we don't know it and neither does anyone else? <laughs> Are we on the air? It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Wait, we have to say what just happened, all of it, all of it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we go into break, we'll peek behind the curtain. She's Sarah Spain, I'm Jason Fitz, we're on ESPN Radio, and presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's, you know, we're, we're about to talk in a couple of minutes to former NFL head coach Mike Mart. So during Hopefully. the commercial, uh, we were sitting around, uh, and one of the fabulous people that works on our show thought that Coach Mark's had called in, so we thought we had him, and it turns out that we had Coach John Starks, who's calling in for a different thing with ESPN, so already had coach confusion, and then, Sarah, we came back from commercial, and you and I could hear nothing but each other, so I have no idea what was on air, what wasn't yeah, on air. Yeah, basically what happened was uh, Mike Martz is calling. Okay, he's locked in and ready to go. Other guy picks up, that's not Mike Martz, that's John Starks. And then we're like, what are the odds? And then we just disappeared, and then we could hear nothing. And we're like, are we on the air right now? Operator so, error. Why don't, why don't we just yeah. go with operator error? It's, yeah. You know, yeah. we, we, win it, we fail and win as a team. So it's on all of us <laughs> as a group. Uh, don't forget that you can have more success than we've had by listening to ESPN Audio at home with your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything. We're going to head over in just a couple of minutes to the Shell Penzo Performance Line where we will talk to uh, uh, Mike Martz. Oh, it looks like we do have him there now. So former NFL head coach and <laughs> offensive coordinator Mike Martz joins us there. Uh, you can listen to Martz and former NFL player Ron Pitts together on their podcast called Run It Again. Get you an inside look at sports, the players, the coaches, and the business of sports. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcast. So, uh, Coach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We're going to ask you to do the impossible in a season uh, that has had no preseason and try and figure out what we can make sense of in the NFC. So when you look across the spectrum, knowing that we haven't been able to see a lot of these new combinations and new players in new places, when you start making your NFC previews, how do you as a former coach even start that process with no film to be able to base it on from this season? Well, it's hard because, you know, the, the teams that have new coordinators, particularly young coordinators, uh, you know, there's no book on them, so to speak. So, uh, for instance, uh, the Rams, young coordinator from, you know, on defense from uh, Denver, you know, Dallas has got to play them. There's no book on him. He may run the defense that uh, he had Denver. He may not. You know, those in the preseason schedule, you get a chance to see what they run. Maybe watered down vanilla, but at least you can see the structures and the types of coverages and third downs, et cetera. Not knowing anything about them makes it very, very uneasy going into an opener like this, uh, you know, when it's a, when the game counts now, not a preseason. So I think it, there's a couple of those situations that are a little scary from that standpoint. If it's a veteran uh, coordinator, you know, he's been around, Mike Nolan's been around for a while. You kind of know what he's going to do on defense. or things like there's a book on him. You can research that and prepare for it. But, boy, it's hard for some of these teams to play a coordinator that has not been a coordinator and he's a young guy. You just don't know what they're going to do. 
You know, all the experts I've heard have said about the same thing, which is that they're basing their expectations mostly on continuity. Which teams have the same head coach, quarterback, coordinators, most of their roster intact? A team like the Chiefs that would have been a favorite anyway, but really is running it back. Is there a team out there that you're looking at saying they actually have a lot of new pieces, whether that's coach or, or predominant skill players, and you, and you still feel pretty confident in them? Not really. You know, I, yeah. I think that's dead center. I, I think it's very, very difficult. You know, with a new coach coming in, and particularly if there's uh, uh, new players along with that, so it's different inheriting a team with a new staff as opposed to, you know, the other way around. But when they're all new, uh, and that's been the situation here in the league in a couple of positions, it's going to be tough. I think the standbys, uh, they'll, I, I do think that uh, the Cowboys will be exceptional this year uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, they have one glaring issue they've got to share up, and that's a secondary. But there's some teams in the NFC that I think are stellar teams that are real strong. And, you know, I think the the teams that are currently up there in the top eight or so, there's a reason why they do that. You know, they're consistent, they're strong in their staffs, and they make good personnel decisions. And those are, you know, the Seattles and, the you know, the Baltimore and et cetera, et cetera. So people know those teams and they'll win. Uh, are there any surprises without seeing him in the preseason? Boy, it's so hard to tell. Fitz, did you former. hear that? He said continuity, right? So uh, clearly the Bears with Mitch Trubisky. I, oh, I, I had a feeling that that's what was underneath well, what he well, was wait. trying to say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Continuity. <laughs> there's, there's good continuity and there's bad continuity. So you got to work oh, that no. in there too. Oh, we're talking to former NFL head coach and offensive coordinator Mike Martz on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So uh, one of the divisions in the NFC coach that uh, has a, a little bit of continuity uh, and then a little bit of non-continuity that everybody's got their eye on is the South, obviously, in the NFC. So New Orleans brings everybody back, but Tampa's loaded with Brady. So when you look at that division, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think New Orleans will dominate the division again. I think, they're, you know, they made some big gains on defense last year. They're very talented. They didn't play up to snuff. I mean, they were probably a top-five defense on personnel. They were somewhere around 11, 12, something like that. I, I think they'll play much better this year. Um, I think, obviously, in offense, they, they're dynamic, and, and he has a tendency. Sean will do whatever it takes in the passing and running game. He'll become, he'll morph into what he needs to based on his personality. He's always done that. That's why he wins. Um, you know, people are on that bandwagon for Tampa Bay. I just, boy, you got to show me this one. Uh, you know, and I think Tom Brady's probably the best player or one of the best ever played the game. I think he's great. But, uh, you know, I don't know who he's going to be here. I don't know anything about the offensive line, how they're going to gel. Uh, I know they're going to try to rely on that running game. I don't know that they can do uh, – the things that he's done as a young man up there at New England without that system, without those players, it's just a different environment and in name. Yes. But, you know, until they get that continuity worked out in the passing game where, you know, at game speed thrown to the receivers and spots and things that these guys haven't done before. Um, I, I just think Tampa is still a big question mark and he's one of my favorite head coaches, but it's nonetheless, it's, if, if they're going to be good, it's going to take them, you know, somewhere between two to six weeks to get that thing going. It just doesn't happen in, in one or two games. Mike March, former NFL head coach and offensive coordinator, co-host of the Run It Again podcast, very specifically saying as a young man up there in New England, 
Not so young anymore. We'll see how it goes for the Bucs with this new-look Tom Brady and this new-look roster. Uh, let's look elsewhere in the NFC. Uh, in the East, are the Cowboys a team that you think will be able to keep up some of the hype and enthusiasm during the regular season last year, or is it another disappointing year for them? I think they're a Super Bowl team, and I've, and I've never said that uh, in the last 20 years about them. I just think that uh, the energy and the approach – uh, that Mike brings there as a head coach, Mike McCarthy, uh, will have a fresh uh, impact on these guys. And that's not to say they weren't good because they were top offense last year. But, you know, Mike Nolan, I coached for him and I coached with him in two different situations. I think they've got an exceptionally strong staff. They'll sure up that back end. And, you know, the Dak's got something to prove. They're running back. They'll, they'll commit to him in terms of giving them more touches. I just think that uh, they could really be a dominant team. I, I'd be surprised if they're not. Coach, uh, talking to Mike Martz here. Uh, Coach, how do you feel the NFC West, which some would argue might be the toughest division in football this year, plays out? Well, I think it is the toughest. I don't know, you know, because I, I still don't know how good the Rams are going to be. I, I think it's a big question mark. They lost some key personnel off the of defense. They're a little thin there. Uh, I just, for them to be real good, They'll have to run the ball like they did two years ago. Uh, I don't know that they can do that. They, I, I know they drafted the back. I can't remember now which one they got, but he. I know they drafted a runner. Uh, we'll see what they do in the running game because remember everything they do in offense is centered on their ability to run the football. They're not a two-minute uh, type of offense. They, they don't play well from behind throwing football. That's not, never been his deal. And, you know, they're, they're not a drop-back team, so the, their protections aren't geared towards that. So if they don't get their uh, ground game going hard, then it makes it difficult for them. And I just don't think they're as good defensively as they've been in the past. I, just, I think Seattle will be exceptional again. I don't think much of Arizona. I think it's kind of a flash. Um, I think Seattle, again, will probably end up uh, winning that thing. It's Spain and Fitz there, uh, Spain. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I left San Francisco out, uh, who's probably the best defense in the league. Yeah. But I think between the two of them, they'll slug it out pretty good. Uh, I think those are two exceptional teams. And if the Rams find their, their rhythm in the running game, then that's three teams. And that's not to say that the Cardinals are a bad team. I just don't think they can compete with those three. We got to let you go. But, of, of course, on the way out, you still have to give your uh, – you have to weigh in on that NFC North and who you've got winning that one. Oh boy, uh, I don't think Chicago can win it. Um, oh, good start. I just, they're just not. He's just not good enough. He just doesn't. Um, I, I think my money's on the Vikings win it. I think I, I just I like what they do. I like their approach to the game. Um, I think I think they'll win it. Coach, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Everybody, be sure to check out Run It Again wherever you get your podcast. That's Mike Martin, former NFL player Ron Pitts. Together, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. Coach, thanks so much for the time and the information. We appreciate it. Stay safe, my friend. Thanks for having me. You guys can don't forget, tune into Bloodlines. It's a three-part podcast written and told by ESPN's Wright Thompson that examines the world of thoroughbred horse racing. Download, subscribe, and review Bloodlines, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. And yes, there's a reason why I'm not laughing in the misery uh, that Sarah's feeling, because if there's anything I know later in the week, we're going to do the AFC previews. <laughs> That's not going to go any better for me. Coming up, we did get some big news out of the NFL and some big news for video game heads that I think matters and says something a lot about the future of the Madden franchise. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
I'm sailing. Come sail away, come sail. I'm blue, da boo dee da dum dum. I love you, man. Okay, I love you, man. Ugh, brutal. You know what I'm talking about? I'm out on that. If you think none of that makes any sense, you have to listen to the podcast after the show, and it will all make sense. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, more at Progressive.com. And Progressive, Sarah, is not something that I usually say around video games, but holy cow, am I proud today to be an adent, uh, what, what's the word, not adent. Uh, a, adamant? A huge player. Ardent. A, a huge player. Ardent? Ardent, thank you. I can't get my mind to work today. A huge player <laughs> of Madden. Uh, look, I, you know, I competitively played Madden. I played Madden for money for a long time. I'm a Madden guy. Wow. All through and through. Oh, yeah, that's legit. Yeah, it's a, yeah I, it's, it's, a, it's a side, like, passion for me. I, I love playing me some Madden. And EA Sports released a statement on Tuesday saying, quote, Colin Kaepernick is one of the top free agents in football and a starting caliber football or quarterback. The team at EA Sports, along with millions of Madden NFL fans, want to see him back in our game. Knowing that our EA Sports experiences are platforms for players to create, we want to make Madden NFL a place that reflects Colin's position and talent, rates him as a starting quarterback, and empowers our fans to express their hopes for the future of football. We've worked with Colin to make this possible, and we're excited to bring it to all of you today. So he is in the new Madden game and that's not a small feat because let's at least acknowledge that being in Madden is something that's collectively bargained by the players that are currently in the NFL and they get paid for it. So for everybody to be willing to work together to find a way to bring him into the game, I think is a huge effort by Madden. It's a huge moment for Kaepernick and it's a huge moment for fans to go out and have the opportunity to take somebody that many believe belongs still in the league today and put them on their team. It's a, it's a forward thinking moment in the video game culture and I love every second of it. Yeah, there's some interesting behind the scenes on this. So not only was he featured more in commercials for the game than any other player in the game's history because he was in the TV ads for three straight years from 2013 to 2015, but also the last time he was in the game was the one that was released just before, just a couple days before um, or maybe after that preseason game where he first decided to kneel. So he's in that whole season, but then – He's a free agent, and he wasn't included in the group licensing agreement, which is negotiated through the NFLPA. So they lost the rights to have his likeness in the game, right? So now, apparently, it must be that they decided, we're going to go and negotiate with you outside of the regular negotiations to see if you are interested and willing to be a part of this, which obviously he is. So there's a whole bunch behind the scenes, which is fascinating sort of to think about, and also fascinating to think about how they come up with his rating. As you know, as a ardent or Aidant, or Arnett, whichever word you used, player of Madden, that's what people get into, right? What are the ratings? The players themselves will tweet about how frustrated they are. And he is among the elites. He's in the top 15 of the 111 total quarterbacks on the game. Fitz, I think you're better off erring on the side of too high than too low when it comes to this. If you're going to put him in the game, you better not make people mad with how you rate him. You're better off just being like, ah, let's go a little too high than too low. Now, a, a thousand percent, because my God, that would be its own sort of explosion. And it's, it's tough because I think there's a lot of fans are going to look at it and say, when you get into the Madden community, I mean, there's two different types of people that play Madden. There are the types that play in leagues where they essentially build their own team from fantasy, however they want it, 
And then there's players that are really strict to, I'm going to take the team as they are currently constructed in real life and make that team as good as possible. I usually fall into that latter category. I like to, to play Madden with the same guys that I watch on Sundays. It makes me connect to the team more, I feel like. But there's a spot for me that even as somebody that's always done that, I look at it and say, well, man, like you're talking about a great quarterback that's available there in the free agent market. Like that, That's hard to resist. I, I, it, more importantly, the fact that they put in the effort to do it when they didn't have to. I mean, mm-hmm. EA could have just been silent on all of it, continued their trend of making Madden the way they make it, and just not listened. But the fact that they felt empowered enough to go out and do it, I, I think that that's a, a, an incredible statement of where the mindset of the culture of the country is right now. And at least one of the celebrations, I don't know if there are multiple, I am not an ardent fan, but at least one of the celebrations is the fist in the air black power symbol uh, for Colin Kaepernick when he scores. So uh, I am certain the very same people that have declared football dead because of the possibility that players would be allowed to protest are probably also now worried that uh, this will be the final final dagger in the back of the, the dying sport. But uh, we'll find out when the season starts, uh, what, three days, from two days from now, oh uh, if it is in oh fact dead. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I was, in fact, dead this morning when I went to Twitter, and I saw that Odell Beckham Jr. was trending, and then I looked to find out <laughs> why. And, you know, first and foremost, we need to change Twitter, Sarah, so that, like, I can just click on trending, and it gives me an immediate right there. Hey, this is why it's trending. Exactly. So you got to dig and dig and dig and dig. And then all of a sudden, I pulled up this video where uh, there were some women talking about some of their, uh, some of their past, and one in that video Uh, was talking about how uh, allegedly, as she said, because they were avoiding any legal issues, uh, Odell uh, had made a very peculiar request to her in what turns him on. And Sarah, it got very uncomfortable for me very quickly, and it's not a reason I think Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to be trending today. Right. Uh, It had to do with him being a number two receiver, um, (laughs) I think is the way we're going to go with that. Uh, Or actually, he might... It might be that his partner's the number two receiver. I'm, well, I'm not sure. The point is, it involved uh, a thing that is especially funny because he plays in Cleveland. And if you're going to steam ahead with jokes on this, I just want to make oh sure that you are aware that a company that owns bidets, uh, that produces bidets, has offered up to Odell um, a very special, tushy uh, bidet that they are naming the Cleveland steamer slash cleaner. They want him to be the brand ambassador. Uh, and every time he scores a touchdown, Lucky Browns fans will get their own customized Cleveland steamer cleaner tushy bidet. So, that's cool. Sarah, you have won two sports Emmys in your life. <laughs> And this may be the finest work you've ever done. Oh, I mean, I, don't, I, I can't even, I mean, if, if I've now, I'm convinced if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't change his number to number two to make him the number two receiver yeah. for mm-hmm. the Cleveland yeah. Browns this year, then I'm that out would on stink. the whole season for Cleveland. It would, it oh. would stink. This, this. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> and, I don't know anybody. if he even gives a crap about any of these rumors. Oh. Um, Oh, my God. Uh, he's probably just wiped I... from all of the conversation oh. around it. <laughs> um, and, you, you know, he's maybe even flushed. Um... <laughs> I, I am so uncomfortable yet so <laughs> proud of what we've just done. This 
in, in uh, we promised you the second version, the second iteration of Spain and Fitz would be better than the first. I think we just proved why. I mean, this Clearly, segment yeah. right there gives you all of the hope that you could possibly need. And I'm sorry uh, for making you crack up. Uh, well, it, it's some of your best work. I can't promise you that the <laughs> jokes about this are going to start and stop, but I can promise you we to do we're going to head to Milwaukee next to get some expertise on all things Bucks. That's next, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. The level of panic in Milwaukee at this point can't get any higher. And all eyes were going to be on what it looked like tonight with no Giannis as Milwaukee tries to find their way back into this series, down three games to one. We've reached halftime. They trail 52 to 46 despite a fast start. So what's it all mean? We'll try and figure it out. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're short today because we're leading into game three of the Lakers versus the Rockets. That tips off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. You don't want to miss it. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. I don't say this lightly. I think what we did a few minutes ago might be the best segment we've ever done in our lives. <laughs> so if there's a reason for you to go back and listen to the podcast, oh, can it? Uh, just, just, just do it. I'm just saying, just do it. It was well done. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get some insight on uh, what it all looks like in Milwaukee. And to do that, let's head over to Milwaukee as we're joined now on the Shell Penzo Performance Line by our friend Jen Lada, host of the brand new Jen, Gabe, and Chewy show weekdays, 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN Milwaukee. Jen, congratulations. That's awesome, by the way. We are both super fans of your work, obviously. Awesome to see you or hear that you're on uh, ESPN Milwaukee every morning, 7 to 9 9 a.m. So congratulations. Yeah, that a.m. and p.m. is a real important distinction, isn't it? (laughs) That waking up at 5 a.m., that's not for the faint of heart, guys. And you guys are both kind of wild cards, so I think you'll appreciate this. I cursed on the air today. I didn't oh, no. know that you can't say GD it. And uh-huh. they were like, no, 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 uh-huh. no, no. So I said, can you guys just get me a list? If you give me a <laughs> list, you know, kind of Carlin style of the things that you cannot say, this is going to go a lot better for all of us. Jen, the radio well, Jen, list what? is so restrictive. Within the first couple of weeks of being an update anchor at ESPN 1000, I said uh, somebody was a D-bag, but the full word. And then I also made a joke about the, the uh, baseball player, Doug Fister, that I never should have said. And then I also, <laughs> I, I mean, I, uh, multiple times they'd be like, Sarah. I'm like, what? And finally, I just you... had to basically limit myself to the language that I had at, at maybe third or fourth grade. I had to go back years. You can't say the short nickname for Richard plus nope. Ted. No, you can't say the B word unless you're talking about complaining. If you're talking it's a lot about like TV. complaining about, you also can't say the P unusual. word that's like peeing but is different because it has S's in it either. Okay, right, so right. that one, that one got me my first ever like my first ESPN weekend show I'd ever done, and I was with the co-host, and I thought we had a great segment. And they got in our ears afterwards, and they said, "What are you guys doing after that first segment?" <laughs> I, said, I don't know, and they're like, "You use that the the, the P word." Uh, like and it like ticked off is all we were saying, but we right. used the other word that's for. I didn't know that was a big deal, and we used it like three or four times. Oh, I got and the the one <laughs> though the Jen that got me in trouble, and then we'll we'll get to actual basketball. The one that got me in trouble in Nashville when I was on the morning show there was uh, we were at, they were asking about favorite TV shows, and there's one that uh, you know Dan Levy uh, wrote and produced that's a really famous right. at this point. Yeah, yeah great show. Blank, Blank River. Creek, and I just said. Blank Creek. I wasn't even thinking. And then the look of shock on everybody's faces. And they're like, we just had to press the button. You got in trouble. And I'm like, what did I say? I didn't even, I didn't even realize. So welcome to that. Fitz, can uh, you believe we'll I never the got the dump button in the last segment? 
Uh, Wait a minute. uh, Let me. uh, I didn't hear your last segment, but the fact uh, that Sarah just emphasized dump button, I think I got a pretty good idea of what y'all were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Moving on. Moving on. Moving on to the basketball. Go Fitz. Yeah, well, let's move on to the Bucks at this point. They're trailing at the half. You're on the radio every morning in Milwaukee. I mean, what's the sense around Milwaukee of what happens if the if the Bucks are eliminated here? What's next for the franchise? Well, it's like any local market, guys. They are very optimistic here in Milwaukee that even if the Bucks are bounced in this series, uh, you know, the number one seed in the East, they they'll be able to keep Giannis. You know, they kind of hang their hat on the fact that he is a loyal guy, that the Bucks have done everything they can to make him happy, and that, you know, he would be leaving an awful lot of money on the table if he opted to go somewhere else. And all of those things are true. I just don't know if they all add up to him inevitably staying in Milwaukee. Um, look, he's a young guy, but when you look at the pieces that are around Giannis right now, you're talking about some older players. Bledsoe's 32. Uh, Wes Matthews is 35. Middleton is 30. So these are guys that are getting up there. Giannis, meanwhile just 25 years old. And so could the Bucks build around him continually over and over again? I suppose. But you keep making the playoffs and getting bounced in the playoffs, then you're picking in the mid-20s. You're not getting those high draft picks, and so it just becomes a little more challenging. Um, I Look, I said this this morning on our show. The way they played without Giannis in Game 4 gave you the impression that this is a team that is not better without Giannis, because that would be absurd to sit there and say that a team is better without the defending MVP, the defensive player of the year at 25 years old, etc. But they played differently, and it's matching up better against Miami. This game right now, just a six-point game at the half, and you're seeing it's more symphonic. I don't even know if that's a word, but that's what I've been saying. It looks more like that symphony of basketball where they are making crisp passes. They look like they're all in sync, and that's why it's it's been more fun to watch when Giannis is on the bench or not playing. Uh, Symphonic is a word, but in sync was never a symphony. So I don't know if that's what you're aiming <laughs> somebody, for. Somebody, somebody will probably make it once at some yes, point. All they that do is, but all they do sync was harmonious. Stuff. They were harmonious. Like, yeah, harmonious and sync. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Jen Latta hosted the brand new uh, Jen Latta Latta. It's Latta, right? Latta. It's Latta. I always yeah. tell people if you were in Boston and you were climbing what firemen climb. A Latta. You'd be, a Latta. You'd be exactly. climbing a Latta. That's uh, right. Jen Gabe and Chewy show weekday seven to nine a.m. on ESPN Milwaukee. So let's say the worst happens, and I don't want to jinx them, but they they go on to lose tonight. Series is over. Uh, Giannis is of course loyal, but. What would you say about the idea that if they get any inkling that he might want to leave and get lured away, that they should trade him and get a big haul instead of running the risk of losing him for nothing? I don't know the owners of this Bucks team that well. I think they are infatuated with Giannis. I think they are going to pull out every single stop they can to get him to sign. And that might mean erring on the side of not trading him under the guise of, no, we can still get him to say. No, we can still get him to say. We've been good to him. We're the ones that drafted him. We have, you know, cultivated his career and groomed him and given him everything he needs to excel at a high level. And you have to remember, like, the mindset of a guy like Giannis, right, who grew up, as we know, very poor in Greece. There's a famous story of him and his brother sharing shoes, right? So at some point, no matter how much wealth you're going to accrue, right, like, what is wealth? you know, to a guy who shared shoes with his brother when they would walk to the gym and sleep on the floor. So there's that mindset of this guy who, like, could put loyalty above money. 
and could say, like, I want to stick with this, this team, this franchise, these people that saw something in me when no one else did. Um, and so I think that that's the, where, the direction that these owners are going to go. They're going to try and hold on to him every, to every single last moment they can to get him to sign. You know, whether it's a one-in-one, whether you try to get him to sign during the offseason, they're going to try to hold on to this. It's like, you know, the most prized possession that they have as long as they possibly can. Jen, real quick before we let you go, then, do you think they can, do they have the means to add pieces should they need to moving forward to try and win a championship? Well, that's what it comes down to, right? It's all about, you know, how much money, if you end up giving Giannis a super max, which I know the number fluctuates a little bit. The number that has been thrown out there is $254 million, which is just like monopoly money to most of us, right? Like, I can't even comprehend that level of wealth. I mean, speak for yourself, but yeah. <laughs> well, I have heard that you married a billionaire, Sarah. Yeah, not, so I not don't. true. I got to be careful you with those jokes. Giannis People believe understand, it. <laughs> understand those levels of money. Um, but I will say, uh, and I lost my train of thought a little bit there, but the, the point is that, um, guys, tell me what we were talking about. You were essentially talking about whether they have enough they pieces to go forward. Whether, they have, and, yeah. whether they have enough money, to your point, guys, yes, great question. Whether they would have enough money to then build the pieces around him, and I just don't think they will. I think that, again, you're spending so much money to keep your superstar to this unprecedented deal. It would be very hard to continue signing high-level elite talent around him. So that's why people feel like the window is closing here for Giannis, because even if they sign him, it's going to be difficult. Not impossible. Did I say impossible? No. Is it something they could do? Certainly. It will be very difficult, though, to get high-level elite talent around him and pay those guys what they ultimately deserve. You guys can follow on Twitter, at Jen Letta, and then you can also listen to her, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. That's weekdays, 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN Milwaukee. We'll let you get back to the game, Jen. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, my friend. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's going to be a good show tomorrow in Milwaukee. Oh, God. And right now, Milwaukee has surrendered that lead. Miami's up by five at this point at the end of the third, 57-52. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. LeBron and the Lakers battle the Rockets presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And speaking of that game, we got a lot of preview to do. do. What's on the line and how's it going to shake out? We'll tell you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio.